I think a lot of things that SEOs do, they're doing because they're just trying to play the game. And what they don't realize is that if they stepped back just a little bit, they could realize that they could maybe not play the SEO game as perfectly as they think, but they could actually just create a better platform for every other facet of marketing to jump off of. If we don't, okay, let's not keyword stuff. Let's not throw keywords into a URL and an H1 and H2 and all of like the alt text of the first image above, like all of them to just stop, step back a little bit, let your writers breathe <laughs> and write something that they want to write about. But everybody's expectations of what the content's for and why it needs to exist is aligned. And in the long term, great content can now then be used for social. It can be turned into a podcast. If you could get somebody to come in and talk about it, you can then pull the H2s out of it and use those for like LinkedIn posts or thought leadership posts or things like that. And if you just let it breathe a little bit outside of your stupidly tight constraints of what you think is good SEO, you're creating a better place for everybody else. What I found in the long term, and especially I think will very much be proven with the most recent update, is letting your writers breathe and enjoy writing the content makes better rankable and converting content. This episode is sponsored by Ahrefs, who I'm so proud to have as the very first sponsor of this podcast. I use their product literally 10 times a day for keyword research, backlink building, and tracking my content as it moves up the rankings. If you're interested, you can check them out for free. Just Google Ahrefs Webmaster Tools to find a suite of free tools for auditing your site, analyzing backlinks, and discovering new keywords. It's genuinely worth checking out. It's an absolutely dope SEO tool, and they support creators like me to keep doing shit like this for free. They're such an awesome company. Okay, enough. On to the episode. Hello and welcome back to the How The Fuck podcast. Guys, thank you so much. We are booming over here at the moment. I've just passed 10,000 followers and the newsletter subscribers are going wild at the moment. I really appreciate every single one of you. This week, I've got the SEO legend that is Tim Hansen in the podcast booth with me. If you don't already, go and follow him on LinkedIn. He puts out some great SEO tips and tactics every single day. In this episode, Tim and I go in a lot of different directions and he delivers a shit ton of sage SEO advice. The SEO case study we focus on today is the story of a child daycare with 12 physical locations around London. When Tim started working with them, they were barely ranking for a single keyword. And two years later, the site ranked in positions one to three for over 100 bottom of funnel keywords. Oh, and yep. They earn 13 million in revenue through search as a result. What a wild story. You guys are going to love it. As always, please head over to thefuck.com. That's T H F X C K.com to get access to tons of extra content. And if you join the premium community, you'll also get access to the written version of this case study and 18 other case studies currently in the library. I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please hit subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps with the growth. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a good day. It's been a good day. Nice and sunny up here in York. We've missed that down here. Anyway, really excited to chat to you on the podcast. I've been following your content ever since we first connected on LinkedIn. And it seems really great. Like you only just started posting, right? I think I just passed a hundred days. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Which feels pretty cool. I remember reading a thing years ago that was like, do one thing for an hour for a hundred days and your life will change. And I guess in the strangest way it has. Yeah, no, it's good. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Thanks for following. 
Yeah, cool. I love it. Honestly, I'm creating a kind of bank of my favorite SEO posts at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like a swipe file. I think I've added one so far. I've only got six. So one out of six is yours. <laughs> oh, I feel so special. No, that's good. What's that? It's like 15, 16%. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I'm happy with that. Quick <laughs> maths. Hopefully it'll be a big bank by the time I release it to the public. That'd um, be cool. Now I look forward to it. There's a lot of really good SEO people on LinkedIn, so. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just me, but LinkedIn got rid of the search filter for me. So I can't actually search. I can't type in SEO and get all the SEO posts up anymore. So yeah, I was trying that the other day because I was looking for updates to do with the new Google update just to figure out like what's going on and what people's thoughts are. Mm. And you put it in and it just kind of pulls like snippets from people's posts instead of like what they're hashtagging things as. Yeah. I don't know. Another one of LinkedIn's random product updates. <laughs> I don't feel like I've been around long enough to feel like the wrath of people getting annoyed. <laughs> it, but I'm sure I can, I can certainly feel it. It's like how we feel about like the search algorithm being changed. People are just being annoyed that LinkedIn's getting changed. <laughs> exactly. They kind of zig whenever wants them to zag it, in my opinion. So today we're going to talk about one of the growth stories of, of one of your clients, which is a child daycare and mm -hmm. one of your past clients and all the key learnings that kind of everyone in marketing can take away from that growth story you know not just people in the child daycare world obviously and not in that specific things but with those like kind of growth stories and things about what you learned and things like that so would you mind giving us basically some background on them so we can just understand the context like things like maybe their business model yeah of course well, just one sign of thing is basically the goals that they came to you with kind of thing when you first met them yeah no, of course, of course. So they started with, I think it was about 11 or 12 different locations. They're in London, just trying to get more SEO traffic, more search, more organic traffic to the site. And they just weren't appearing for any search terms at all. Like you, you did any level of location variable plus like their name or even location, location plus like nursery or daycare, like nothing just didn't appear at all. Like even just getting them to first page was a huge deal for them. So initially it was that and their long-term goals were more locations, covering more space and they're a pretty high-end daycare, like childcare. So it's not like they have a pretty rigorous process of getting, of vetting the kind of kids that go there and make sure that they can keep their standards high at the same time. So even if we were trying to rank for things, it was still making sure that we're not compromising the kind of standards that they have as a business by doing bad SEO <laughs> and just getting quick wins. And they were willing to do things a little bit slower and to do it right and to own those results for as long as possible. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So they don't want really you to like black hat your way into the... No... No, none of, none, of, none of that fun stuff. None of that sending 53 PR releases, like press releases per update on Like None of that. No, it's just like doing it slow, doing it properly. Yeah. And oh, and the other goal was over the long term for me to train their internal team so that they can look after it. Because when we started, we had like 11 locations and now there's 17. I think there's another three going up by the end of the year. And they've got like, 10 for next year. If I'm looking after every single one of those, I have no other clients. That's like a full-time job and I need to clone myself two or three times. Whereas they have an internal marketing team, but a lot of it was help train them on the content side of things, help train them on 
the local SEO, so hitting like different facets of SEO and then even down through products and affiliates and I mean, we'll go into it, but the job side of things, recruitment, that kind of stuff. So almost every single facet of SEO is found in one way or another on that site. So it's a lot of fun. I, I love them as a client. It's always changing. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It's nice when you kick off like, with certain goals, but then they over time are like expanding those goals and you see yeah. results and growing and yeah. I think it's also so key, like the, the internal team training. I can imagine, I felt this when I say like moved on from a company, you leave and then if they don't know SEO themselves, then they start to just change the website and then it's mm. all, all of those like structures or whatever it is that you've like, yeah things are just not preserved. So there is a part of me that's really proud knowing that their team, like I've trained their team and I've seen their team go from one of the girls there has gone from junior content writer to is now head of content over the last two years. Oh, nice. And it's just really cool to watch the progression of how they've grown professionally, but then they're good friends as well. Like I go and see them on a regular basis and hang out and when you're talking to people, I say this to a lot of people when it comes to SEO is like, SEO is a long game. It's so much nicer to do it with friends. <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Okay, so you're doing the SEO and you're doing, you're really helping the content strategy. I've got it planned to, to dig into that content side of things mm -hmm. beyond SEO, like a little bit later. So I wanted to go into what you did from an SEO perspective a little bit more. Could we just jump to the finish line? Like what, where are they at now? So they went from literally not ranking in Google at all. What were the results? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we were looking at this the other day compared to where we started. Mm -hmm. So I think when I first started with them, it was something along the lines of they had a total of 35 keywords ranking at all. That was it, total. And now we have more than triple than that. I think it's just over 100 in positions one to three. Oh, nice. In two years. Yeah. And they're all bottom of funnel keywords. That's one of them. Yeah. And if you want the big juicy number, it's about 13 <laughs> and a half, 14 million pounds in revenue from organic alone. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. And it's incredible and ridiculous. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> the power of 100 bottom of funnel keywords in the one to three type thing, right? Yeah. We wouldn't necessarily have achieved that goal through any other. And, and the thing that's a little bit ridiculous is like, because it's a local business, those keywords are literally capped on how many people will search for them. It's not like I can go to any of the boroughs in, in London, like Waterloo, and just ask more people to make a search for like, oh, can you just search for like nursery in Waterloo or daycare in Waterloo? That, it's just not going to happen. There is a physical cap. Mm. per location on the amount of people. So you're literally just trying to get that number. And we've seen it from an impressions point of view. It kind of just like plateaus. Mm -hmm. So then all you have to do is just get better at click-through rates and capture more of them as yes. best as you possibly can. Yeah, okay. So there's like a pretty steady demand because of the numbers. Like there's only such a big population, kids at that age. It's always going to be yeah. rapidly. Okay, but what you need to do is beat your competition basically with click-through yeah. rates. Yeah, everybody is literally working with the same traffic mm -hmm. and it's just pulling them as best as you possibly can. Yeah. Is it really competitive? We, we have in, internal jokes where it is just us kind of throwing stones at competitors. Yeah. Because <laughs> they'll be like, oh, damn, we lost it. We get screwed like this company or we're now ranking better than them. Or it's just, it's all, 
it is interesting to see how like oh this who are these and then you see them and they start taking a couple rankings and straight away that site goes into hrs and you pull what they're doing and how many pages they're putting out on a regular basis and then it goes back into the numbers and are we beating them? Do we think we're going to weather this storm of them just like throwing a load of content? And, and you see it all the time. You get new players come in and they might rank really well in a location really well. And it's usually because they have some kind of like partial match domain where they have like nursery and then the location as the domain. Uh, but yeah. then that's all they're ever going to rank for. Yeah. Whereas we sit on like a branded domain and we only have everything afterwards that we have to optimize and do as best as we can with which means that we might not get the best rankings. We might not hit number one across the board, but we will regularly be hitting top three and also ranking the Google My Business profile with them, but for more keywords. And the nice thing about that is because we rank for a like nursery in London Borough, when they open a new location, we rank within like three weeks. Oh, nice. Because we have... 16 locations that already rank why wouldn't we rank with one more yeah that makes it's lovely. taken two it's taken like two years to get there <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so that's kind of like you have a topical authority of london borough nursery so then any yeah. one throw up almost it's like a, yeah that's cool yeah. so this is what you're talking about is basically that's the definition of like good local seo is it essentially yeah. the name plus the term you want to be there for yeah. yeah. And then it's just making sure that you're using it properly in the URL. Like the biggest win that we got with them, like straight away, was a URL change where all of their nursery locations were just sitting off of the home, like the root domain. Mm-hmm. None of them included the word nursery. They all were just like timcompany.com forward slash Orpington, for example. That doesn't tell anybody anything. Like there's nothing there at all. So the first thing that we did is we immediately created a collection page of all of the locations and just called it like our dash nurseries kind of thing, and then sat everything off of that. And now we've got the word nursery and the location in the URL, which we know is heavily weighted from a search point of view. And literally within three weeks, all of those pages that weren't on first page, boom, first page. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I did nothing. I created one page and just sorted out the URL structure. It's amazing what you can do when you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's probably one of the best parts when I'm working with their internal team is we'll go through content, put it in things like Surfer, just have a look at what the optimizations, like small optimizations are that we can do. And in some instances, we've changed one H2 and two weeks later, we've gone from position five to three, which is enormous. It's like double the clicks in most instances. Yeah. And it was less than two minutes actual work, probably about 20 minutes of research, figuring it out. But an actual like updating, pressing publish, waiting for it to do the thing and then resubmitting the search console, like two minutes work, like it's nothing. But double the clicks Mm -hmm. it's knowing what to do and where to do it and just making it as easy as possible yeah like those optimate those are like the kind of low-hanging fruit optimizations that you can sometimes just just stumble across or like yeah yeah but even like after two years we're still seeing them oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool (laughs) (laughs) we've seen yeah one of the craziest ones was we saw one of the search terms that we had initially it was one of those wonderful ones in hrefs where you get like zero keyword volume in hrefs but you're getting a good like 400 500 searches in search console and we shifted h1s h2s but like content 
to optimize for that keyword and we ranked well for it. But then what we found was like over a year, that key, like people just stopped searching for that keyword or like for the, that order of words and started searching for a slight, like literally an ever so slightly different one. So it was like nursery in versus location nursery, mm-hmm. literally just the other way around. For whatever reason, Google was treating them very differently. So we, we didn't know. We had to go in and figure out and find out what was going on. And literally, it was just like move nursery to the front of the sentence each time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And then just grab it, like moving forwards again. Yeah. In that case, would you change the URL for it? Or would you preserve? No, no, I just leave the URL as like, because like in that instance, I would have to have nursery.com forward slash location forward slash nursery. I just throw it like, I don't want, if I can, I really don't want to have to put 301s in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because like you accumulate trust on the URL. And if you go to a new one, you kind of start again. As much as you redirect it and it pushes the trust over, it's never going to be the same. You're starting from scratch. And I just don't want to do that. It's like one of the biggest mentalities that I have whenever it comes to like actual writing long form content is publish it at 80% get the url up whilst you're getting the last like round of changes mm-hmm. because no one's going to find it you don't have to promote it just yet until you're happy with it but you've submitted a url to google and whilst you're doing those last changes you're at least shortening the time period on that side of things like publish just a little bit earlier than you think you're going to yeah that's such a good point i think probably everyone's been at that point sometimes where you have at least I've been there when it's, yeah, maybe you're writing eight as a kind of cluster of topic and articles and they kind of want to release them all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Better just to, if as they're, as they're done, get it, get it out. And oh, don't even get me started on people drip feeding content. Just get it out. Get it on the site. Like, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody is sitting there waiting to like, oh my God, I can't wait for the next blog that Tim releases. Nobody knows who I am. <laughs> I'm just capturing you when you're ready for it. It's fine. Like people's egos get in the way of, oh, but they'll be waiting for us to release our next blog content on Wednesday. You have to publish. You have to publish. It's like, no, you don't. No one one is waiting. You're not like (laughs) Fogue.com or like Men's Health. Like nobody is waiting. Publish like the body of work when it is ready and good. But even then, like publish it at 80%, wait for it to do its thing, get your final round and then make the changes that need to be done to it. Because there's so many benefits from doing that that aren't just SEO benefits. Cool, definitely. Yeah, but I think if anything, people probably don't want to hear your newsletter this week from from most companies anyway. Yeah. So if you if you're people's late on that new piece of content, <laughs> content marketers hate being told that nobody cares about their content, especially heads of content. Like, just take your ego out of it. It's fine. People don't use the internet in the way that we use, like TV. Or sorry, used to use TV. That has all changed to on demand too. But like you would sit there and you would wait. Oh my God, I can't wait for the next issue. I can't wait for the next like episode. I can't wait for the next season. It just doesn't happen with content these days. Yeah, it's so true. The only ones that I act, that I do that with now is podcasts. When I binged someone's podcast, <laughs> that it's not coming for the next week. Yeah. The only podcast I wait for is Tropical MBA that comes out on a thursday morning and it's purely because it had such a big impact on me in terms of like going freelance and, and like running mm. a consultancy and what? i just i love that podcast what was it it's called 
It's called Tropical MBA. And essentially, it's just people around the world that you never would know are running seven-figure remote-first businesses. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a brilliant podcast. Absolutely love it. But it's the only thing that I wait for. (laughs) Maybe you'll be on it soon. We'll get there. We'll get there. That'd be sweet. It's a move to Bali. (laughs) Okay, we kind of went a bit off topic. What I actually wanted to talk about around this as well, which I think would make it even more relevant to people who aren't in the in the kind of local SEO world, local makes sense. How can this strategy apply to other businesses in terms of what people call like money or like commercial keywords or, or bottom of funnel keywords? What are they? How can people find them? How should you tackle them? Yeah, of course. I think whenever you're doing like a proper content strategy, a lot of people want to do the really big, oh, we run like a shoe company, therefore we want to rank for shoes. It's like, no, because now you're immediate. You're putting your hand up saying that you want to get in a fight with Nike (laughs) and Nike's marketing budget is your decade budget. (laughs) And they have that on a daily basis. Like you don't want to do that. You want to really be pushing very specifically for the product types that you have, the service types that you have, and then all of the different kinds of questions and like alternatives and software and tools. If you really have got the balls to do it, like you should be doing it because your competitors will certainly be doing it. Compare yourself, us versus them, click up versus Asana kind of kind of keywords and just getting them out there. How is Notion different from ClickUp, different from Asana, different from Google Tasks, different from code, like all of those things. Like put those things out there somebody will if you don't and they're going to be making the the decision for your your target market and they're not on your website and then if you really want to put up reviews for competitors put up reviews for what they're they're pricing like how do people sign up to them had a great conversation the other day where essentially they didn't was for hockey stag i did a post on them and they were saying about they didn't care about writing things to do with like HubSpot alternatives or Google Analytics alternatives and putting the big players at the top because their target audience knows who the big players are. They're not making that HubSpot alternative search to just be told that HubSpot is the answer. They know it's not. That's why they're doing the search in the first place. So it doesn't matter that you put the big players at the top because it's kind of confirming, yeah, we're in the same space as them, but also we're different from them. Mm. And the thing that makes them great is also the thing that stops them from being the right choice for you. And we're going to explain why they're not the right choice for you, but why they are the right choice for somebody that's maybe bigger than you or smaller than you or in a different country than you and things like that. And it's, it, it really is meeting that person at the problem that they have whilst they're trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So all of your bottom of funnel keywords are X versus Y, top X alternatives, top X software and tools, how to use top X case studies. And then if you really want to do it like X reviews, X pricing, X sign up, X cancellation, <laughs> I think is a really interesting one to do. And yeah. then... Like my favorite ones across the board was a company that did, I can't remember the name of them off the top of my head, but they were known for having like incredibly fast WordPress hosting. 
insanely, insanely fast WordPress hosting wherever you were in the world. And what they ranked for bottom of funnel was all of the error codes that their competitors spat out when their products went wrong. <laughs> and they ranked for thousands of them. So people would search the error code, trying to work out what's wrong, yep. and they get the competitors. Sat. They would rank and they'd get the competitor. This is how you fix it. But by the way, you're only ever going to get this fast. Like, let's say it's two second load speed, which not great. But let's say at best, if even if you fix this, you're going to benchmark at two seconds. We guarantee 1.2 second maximum load time. Do you want to have a conversation? So smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and spin out those pages quick, I guess, as well. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that, like, this is one of the few instances where you can write something that is like five, 600 words long because it answers... That person is in a lot of pain. They just literally want the answer to fix that problem as quickly as possible. <laughs> and then what they started to do was they realized that most people running WordPress websites had problems with plugins and different ways of like the Gutenberg update when they changed the back end of the editor for WordPress. So they just ranked loads of like how to solve those problems because the people are searching those problems use those sites on a daily basis. They care about their website. So you're meeting them at a shoulder niche problem and introducing them to, oh, by the way, you probably care about this. Yeah. Is it worth having a conversation about that? Mm. Yeah, it's so smart. The key with these whole things is that capturing people of very specific points in their buyer journey or their, their customer journey and mm. where they're highly likely to be interested in talking to you. Um, I think in most instances, it's, finding a pain point that you know specifically that they have. But that only comes from research. That mm -hmm. only comes from asking them. Actually, I found a really good thing the other day. It's a tool called SEO Minion that is it's completely free. But whenever you do a search, you can download a people also asked map. Right. And it shows you all of the questions, but then how they're related to the main term that you're doing. My God, you want to jump down like questions to ask an audience, very specific questions. It is insane. I've been using it for like three days and it's changed how I'm doing, figuring out bottom of funnel keywords already. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, really. So you're right. Those kind of bottom of funnel keywords, even if, say, you put it into Ahrefs, got nothing, no volume. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because even if it's just like one or two people, it makes sense to grab them. You never know. The nice thing with content that you don't get with ads is that for you to make a sale, not only does it have to solve the problem, but you have to be the right solution for that problem at the right time. But if you're always there, if it's always online, it always ranks, you can effectively remove time from the equation, which you can't do with ads because you're paying for it. It's nice to have content, even if there is none of that search volume there, but it's just hugely relevant to the audience. You know exactly you're getting your target audience. Yes at that point yeah because why would somebody be searching for an error code on like how to fix hosting if they weren't fixing hosting had a problem with their hosting as it was at the moment and just wanted to get it sorted yeah the best offer to put in front of that person then is one this is how you fix it but two you're probably paying too much we can offer you a like faster loading speed oh and it's fully managed so even if it does break you never have to look at it anyway we'll fix it for you mm -hmm. That person's like, well, okay, yeah, that's probably worth a conversation. <laughs> There's a kind of a nuance to this as well that I've come across myself that I worked in a startup with technology that no one was searching for. So, so been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was 
Like sometimes you can't just type optimize for a product type or especially if you're small, you can't do us versus them if no one's searching for you. Mm. You could, you, but there are other ways you can do it, which is actually something we've, my current company, we've done about 20 articles recently, which is tapping into the us versus thems of other people, the big players. Oh, okay. I like okay. that. I like that. Yeah. The two, two huge players in our space. People are searching them versus them and we're doing them versus them. Mm. Oh, and don't forget about it. Oh, and us. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Like it's X versus Y versus Sal. Yeah. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, I love, I love, I love little things like that. The other way that we've done it is it's not as truly bottom of funnel as them versus them versus us, but it's in the same vein as the site speed thing. It's what kind of problems is the person that you want to talk to also having? that are very time-specific problems. So I have a client in like the HR tech space. And again, it was like, they're an emergent market. How do we say we're, we're a product that you should care about? It's for your HR managers. None of them were searching for it. There was nothing there. So what we did instead is we worked out that actually, no, HR managers, they're rushed off their feet in every which way. What do they need that would make their job better? They need meeting templates. They need one-to-one -one meeting templates. They need how onboarding templates. They need offboarding templates, checklists. They need how to run weekly performance review templates. What does a good performance review look like? How do you benchmark that? Like all of these kind of things. And then slowly getting them to realize that there's probably a difference in, in how they're internally professionally educating their team. And that is the part that the company helps with. Oh, nice. And it's the HR manager, it's the, it's the head of HR's decision to work out whether or not there were budget for like continuous professional development within those companies. But it was like, how do we help the HR people first and like get on their side and then pull them through? Yeah. Yeah, nice. I mean, so if you can also identify the problems they have that align with the values that you bring, if like, if it's a template, but you also bring a value that's about time-saving, you can relate that. Yeah. Or education. Yeah. And another ways to educate is that kind of alignment. Yeah, I like, completely agree. There's so many ways to approach bottom of funnel, which is like they do exist for everyone as long as you're <laughs> creative on it. Yeah, everyone who buys your product has a problem in one way or another. And if it makes sense for you to address the problem, to be able to solve the problem and speak with at least some level of like first-hand expertise on that problem, you can meet them at that problem. Uh -huh. And in one way or another, you can then pull them through to the thing that you're actually potentially like trying to sell them. But that timeline can be a long timeline. Like I completely get that. But you're only ever going to reach a bigger audience if you meet them at the problem that they have now, regardless of whether or not it's the exact one that you're selling the solution to. Mm -hmm. So true, yeah. yeah so many that. people just miss that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is what makes a good content strategy in general as well, isn't it? Yeah. Not just like blue ocean kind of SEO, anything related. Hello, lovely Lister. I just wanted to interrupt this episode, very annoying, I know, to plug something I actually think could be a lot of value to you. And that's the premium membership of How The Fuck. It's $8 per month. And what do you get? Well, apart from a lot of radiant love from me, 
well, every every listener's getting that anyway. You can expect the highlights of every episode of the podcast. I'll also explain extra bits, point out things like common pitfalls of following the strategies you hear on the podcast. Um, I also share templates, like recently I shared a 100-point checklist for updating your older content and frameworks for things like how to create conversion-focused blog posts. You can check out the content that's already there at the How The Fuck website under the premium filter. And uh, yeah, just do it, you know, see what you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode, by the way. It's freaking great, isn't it? Anyway, back to the guest. You're also helping run that content strategy for this daycare? Yes. Yeah. Kind of discussed. I wonder something you said that I thought was really interesting, you know, when we did the prep call for this podcast, you said like most SEOs live in a bubble and don't think about the wider business goals. What did you mean by that? I mean, I've been doing SEO now for like coming up 10 years. I've had exposure to a lot of SEO training, people, gurus, one way or another. I think a lot of things that SEOs do, they're doing because they're just trying to play the game. And what they don't realize is that if they stepped back just a little bit, they could realize that they could maybe not play the SEO game as perfectly as they think, but they could actually just create a better platform for every other facet of marketing to jump off of. If we don't, okay, let's not keyword stuff. Let's not throw keywords into a URL and an H1 and H2 and all of like the alt text of the first image above, like all of them to just stop. Step back a little bit, let your writers breathe <laughs> and write something that they want to write about, but everybody's expectations of what the content's for and why it needs to exist is aligned. And in the long term, great content can now then be used for social. It can be turned into a podcast. If you could get somebody to come in and talk about it, you can then pull the H2s out of it and use those for like LinkedIn posts or thought leadership posts or things like that. And if you just let it breathe a little bit outside of your stupidly tight constraints of what you think is good SEO, you're creating a better place for everybody else. What I found in the long term, and especially I think will very much be proven with the most recent update, is letting your writers breathe and enjoy writing the content makes better rankable and converting content the one of the main things i have like so i i use surfer for all of my writers i go through whatever little program where i go through and i train them on how we use surfer why it's a good thing surfer essentially figures out what the average is of everything that's currently ranking and gives you like benchmarks to hit and then scores you from zero to 100 if somebody comes to me and gives me a piece of content that's like 90 or above i tell them bring it down it's too high Mm. because it probably reads like shit because they've tried to hit as many of the of the little green bubbles that come up as possible. I tell everyone, like, and this goes back to the publisher 8% thing, like get it to 75 mm -hmm. and let's see what it does. And 75 is what I found over the years is a really good balance of our SEO values are aligned in terms of it will rank and the writer feels like they have a place to be what they were trained to do in the first place, be a writer and not just a rearranger of sentences to hit numbers, <laughs> <laughs> like specific keyword goals. What I love about it is like not thinking about SEO in isolation of, of like the business goals beyond growing traffic, thinking about all of it as a whole, which I think all marketing strategies need to think about that, especially as a company grows, I think to get buy-in, you need to be <laughs> thinking beyond yeah. just SEO. 
Yeah, there's a, a VC firm that I work with and we were looking at like sites that they might look and be looking to buy in the next couple of months. And I go through and look at the keywords and see what the potential traffic, like traffic potential is. And mm. so many times I'm going back and saying like, this looks good. Like, oh my God, these keywords are really nice. There's tons here. We can't monetize that. That is not a monetizable audience. But the SEO in me is just like bigger number, better person. Like yeah. just, just rank. That's, oh my God. Can you imagine the traffic graph? The traffic graph doesn't mean shit if you don't have any, there's no money coming in. Mm. Whereas like the ones where it's like no keyword difficulty, but people are just handing you money. Like, oh, like my, my view of what is success is very much shifted over the last like four or five years. Is that what you're looking for then? Like low keyword difficulty, but high, high intent kind of bottom of funnel Yeah, because they're probably super easy to rank for in the first place. It doesn't take an enormous amount. And your, your competition is like nothing in most instances. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you rather be in front of like five people and four, four of them are going to buy than a thousand people and one of them might buy, but you've got so many people there that are just bouncing. And if you think about that now, especially with the update that's coming through, Google's potentially going to look at that and go, not great, and could pull other things down. They have said that there is now a site-wide performance ranking like variable that they're taking into account if you have tons and tons of pages that rank for really high things but people bounce quickly they don't click through they don't find the answer that they're looking for they leave over time that's not the right thing whereas i can get in front of 50 60 70 people over a smaller number of pages it's probably less work with way higher roi yeah i do agree we're having potentially this debate internally so maybe you can weigh in but what about just being everywhere for a brand perspective even if it's high it's high volume but you Mm -hmm. tons of content and you are everywhere and yeah most of it's not going to convert but you are trying to build brand affinity on like a major scale you think there's like room for that or is that just is that big company play things once so if you've spent let's say you spend three four months initially you should be hitting all of those bottom of funnel keywords as best as you possibly can, knowing that over time that they were right. And then after that, you're going to start like what effectively working backwards from the problem. So spreading that net wider and wider and wider. And the, the way that I put it is like, what is the point of ranking for the really big terms for people to know your name? If you don't have a page that you can send them to to sell. Mm, very good point. And if you don't have that page, that probably also means you don't have a way of getting them from top, super top of funnel page to a bottom of funnel page, to like a a landing page, product page, a service page. But you're telling me like the 10 best places to eat in London or whatever. So then where's the part where you're then pushing me towards the, let's say you've managed to create a company and you have a card that gives you 15% off like all of these different franchises in London. Mm-hmm. You eventually probably want to rank for 10, plus, 10 best places to eat in London, 10 best places to eat in Shoreditch, best brunches in this place, like so on and so forth. Like all of those ridiculously high search volume keywords. And I know they are because one of my clients once was, <laughs> but the amount of the search volume behind like brunch in London is insane. So many people getting like absolutely wasted at 11, 12 o'clock during busy, the day. Busy brunch Sunday. Typical, Lon- typical London. <laughs> But if you don't have the, the page that is 
loyalty card for this restaurant or money off or voucher at wherever group booking for brunch in London. Yeah. Where are you going to send them to? Because yeah. those are the pages that are going to make the money whilst you're asleep. And at the end of the day, like a good content strategy is compounding, but it's only compounding if you've got somewhere to sell them in the first place. That's so true. I did. I'm going to quote you on that at some point. I think. Like it's true that unless, unless you're trying to get ad revenue from people visiting your site, if you're not selling anything, there's no point mm. writing a, or if you're not telling I get from a brand point of view, but so much of like brand keywords come from events and ads. They don't come from SEO. Like whenever I'm looking at like Search Console or Google Analytics or Ahrefs, when I'm just doing mini audits on sites that I come across because I'm super fun like that and I order every new website I look at, I immediately turn off all brand keywords because I want to see what you're actually ranking for. Yeah. Because you might have a ridiculous brand presence because you have a TV ad or you have a big billboard somewhere or you put an ad in a magazine or you have like paid ads everywhere, or you host an enormous event mm. and people, people associate your brand name with those things that have massive reach anyway. But what about the person who's never heard of you and you potentially solve their problem? Are you getting in front of a new audience that you haven't already earned? That's what matters. That's, that's, those are the numbers I care about. So true. Yeah. It's like treating SEO as its own like either capture of demand or like creator of demand by like mm. identifying the problems and yeah that. seo is all capture it's not you're not creating that by any means you would create by putting content where your audience already is and making them aware of it but then seo is the capture of those people when they forget who told them but they don't forget the message so they put the message into google and now you grab it mm -hmm. yeah it's so on to your site yeah one thing that we tried to do in ours is we have a very good framework for like what we do in our software. Um, as in, so it's a software, but it's also a methodology. So like when people are, okay. yep. people, people are searching for methodologies for this thing, we would mm -hmm. then put our methodology and explain it at the top. So that we're kind of trying to create demand for the, the way of doing things. Okay. They sort of not looking for us. They're not definitely not mm -hmm. looking for us, but they're looking for a way of doing things. We teach them the way, which hopefully creates a bit of yeah. a roundabout affinity to us, if that makes sense. It's, um... Yeah. So the interesting thing that I've found in pages like that, where you're trying to introduce them to something that you do, but they're familiar with something else, mm. is if you automatically put yours at the top, people know you're trying to sell them. Yeah. And they don't like that. They, they, the rest of the content doesn't mean anything to them. But if you meet them at a point where they're, oh, I'm familiar with that and I'm going to expand my knowledge, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I'm trying to, like, if I knew that and I knew it well, I wouldn't be searching for it. I'd be out there implementing it. I'm looking for other ideas. And if then you insert yours as like third or fourth, a little bit, just a little bit further down, weirdly, it feels so much more legit because you've tackled the common ground already and then you've introduced the new thing. So true. You can introduce the new thing by stating what is considered, what is like considered as common ground actually has these problems. We've seen these problems firsthand. And that's why over the last like 10 years or whatever, we came up with this methodology. This is our use case of using this methodology versus the one that we've both now agreed is common ground, but wrong. 
Uh, yeah. And it's exactly the same with those bottom of funnel like keywords where you're saying on um, like let's say it was analytics alternatives. If somebody goes like, oh, if the first one that you put was like, let's say it's Fathom, everyone and it's on the Fathom blog, oh well, of course, obviously. <laughs> if you go, okay, like let's just discuss the one where everybody knows and it's Google Analytics. And mm. everybody knows it because it's free and everybody knows who Google is. That doesn't mean it's the best. These are the problems. Mm -hmm. We can agree that these are problems. We address those problems. Have you heard about this? Mm. It's weird how like putting it, oh, yeah. we're not number one, but we are number one because we're stating that actual number one is just a common agreement of a uh, series of problems. <laughs> it's a really tough problem to solve when I want to talk about myself in a way that is not too biased or like that makes you switch yeah. off. What you're doing in that instance is you're not sitting on the opposite side of the table from the user at that point. You're pulling them round to your side where you're stating, we both know that this exists and I'm going to tell you why that these are good things and why these are bad things. And nine times out of 10, you're going to agree, me on it, agree with me on those things. Yeah. And now what I'm going to do is then introduce you to the other thing, but you're on the same side of the table as me now. We're now discussing from the same side, whereas previously we're just like, throw the issue in the middle. I think you should think this and they're going to just stand up and leave. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. That's actually, yeah, really useful. I feel like we could have a whole podcast on like just how to create that content properly. Really yeah, deep. I feel like it's something I'm constantly learning, but it's really interesting to see the difference and how people will read and like actually go through and use the internet and yeah. the rabbit hole that people will just throw themselves into and in like engorging content mm. and then never think about it for months. And then all of a sudden something will pop up and it's like, oh, I remember that thing. <laughs> but they spent like six hours. Like I did it a couple of weeks back. I was looking at buying like new rollerblades. And I saw on a video that somebody had like three wheeled rollerblades. Mm. I'd spent the next three hours trying to work out. I've never seen three wheeled rollerblades. <laughs> I've skated since I was a kid. Why have I never seen them? Mm. Videos, articles, like all of this kind of stuff later. And the weird thing was, is I realized that every time I got introduced to like a new term or a new reason, there, was, there wasn't a CTA. No one was preempting that I might have more questions. Mm. So I would go back to Google because Google is the question machine, obviously. It's where you put your questions, where it gives you your answers. But in so many instances, if they'd have gone, we just introduced you to this terminology. This is what it means. This is why it matters. I'm staying on that site. I'm clicking on that post. I'm going through. I'm dive My rabbit hole is now your website. So good. Yeah. None of them, none of them. And I get it. Like they run a skate company. They don't run a content company. But none of them had preempted that I've been given a new bit of information. What do I do with this information now? Mm -hmm. You've taught me a word. <laughs> what do I? Why, why does like the center of balance over three wheels, what is rocker across four wheels or five <laughs> wheels? Five wheel skates exist. Like these are terms that I was being introduced to, but then they weren't doing anything with them. So I would just go back to Google. So interesting. Just when you know you're, you're a SEO nerd, when you're uh, oh, searching just, for it, like, becomes a, an X. The internet is so much fun, and I just hate that I analyze every single part of it. <laughs> I, I do I do it too. I was, uh, <laughs> yesterday, I had a similar experience where I saw a video on Reddit about someone who'd hiked the Great Pacific Trail or something like that. So oh, yeah, yeah, he'd done the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I typed it in Google. How do you do the Pacific Trail? And like, 
Well, I think I typed in, are there any bears on the Great Pacific? Right. <laughs> a great article that was like, the top one was 11 things more scary than bears on the Pacific Trail. That's just quite a good, uh, good angle. I love it. that. That's a great hook. <laughs> I love that. Because it, it knew my intent as well, actually. I was like thinking, oh, am I going to get eaten by a bear or something? Mm. Kind of smart. But none of it throughout had any kind of upsell or it was just that article. It was no kind of, I would have loved to if you mm. wanted to the Pacific Trail, here's, here's our guide on how to do it. And I would have done yeah. it. Yeah, uh, here's like a little thing that you can you can figure out like stops along the way, depending on what your budget is, kind of thing. Exactly. That's what I need. Like your experience and like, are you doing it? Are you doing it alone? Are you doing it with friends? Do you need a guide? Like, grab those little snippets of information from me and pull me to the right thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, it's one of the things that I, I say to people all the time. It's like, preempt what you think they're going to ask for. What is the search behind the search? What is the question behind the question when people are asking something? And can you preempt that? Can you give them that thing based on what you've just taught them? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that, that especially that, like what you, from if they've read your article, what's next? Give them something. Yeah. It's so easy to be like a random interlinking, just chuck it in there because I want the link, not yeah. experience of the person. I mean, if we if we swing all the way back to the nursery website, so we started doing the recruitment stuff for because they were like indeed fees and LinkedIn fees and monster fees are insane for putting jobs on. So we were like, okay, can we can we build it on the site? Can we build the job like a recruitment platform on the site? And obviously, once you've gone through like the normal jobs, like how do you now get in front of people? And the main thing is, is they have specific questions that they have to ask to determine whether or not you're suited to be able to work in a nursery. Mm -hmm. And most people know this. So what they'll do before they get, they go for any of these interviews is they'll do a search of like best questions to ask or best or questions that I'll get asked in a nursery interview. They're not searching for questions. They want frameworks on how to answer them. So you, you rank, you create the content that is like, here's the, the questions and then your CTA, like your, the download that you're going to give them, if you, uh, cause also what they wanted to do was create a database of people that they could send an email out to that says, we are looking for this person in this place for this job position. Is this you? And obviously the bigger that list is and the more vetted that list is, the, then I'm not paying monster for that. They have access to that database, that pool of people all the time. So how do we get those emails? So it was preempting what they're actually looking for, which is answers, which is frameworks. So in the PDF download on the questions piece is here are all of the answers, here are all the frameworks and how to best answer those questions. And then the great part about that is, is the person that's read that and now knows it and knows those frameworks, probably the kind of person you wanna recruit because they've yeah. done the research. They've read the thing. They've formatted their answers. They've got that kind of diligence behind them, that little bit of detail about it, which people care about when that person is looking after your kids. Yeah. So <laughs> pulling like that, that part of like, don't just think like an SEO, like how is that beneficial to the business? There's so many ways that's beneficial to the business. It's great from an SEO point of view because click-through rate is answers inside in your little like header tag and your SEO tag. It's great because we get to keep people on the page. There's download, we capture email, but also in the long term, they just hire better people. Yeah, it's so good. And probably side a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good that it's, I think it's a really good example because I think 
when you say, what's my goal? And everyone goes revenue. It's nice to have an example that isn't always just <laughs> SEO helping your yeah. Um, but like job, yeah. Leader, other areas of your business. Um, the goal is to not pay Monster like twenty six grand a month or whatever <laughs> it is to have premium access to put jobs on there. Yeah, exactly. It's so expensive. But this is huge. It's such a great topic. Like this, exactly why SEOs should need to think outside the box. Like really, or team up with content strategists. Yeah, in a better way. I think for me, that's why over the last two, three years, there's been mentors and just the ways that I do my own business has shifted my perspective on this hugely. But it's realizing that SEO is a channel for content marketing, but content marketing is huge in terms of like the benefit that it has for the rest of the business. And if you can look at SEO as, albeit a big part, but it's capture of a much bigger play you can do so much more with it. But the weird thing is, is you're way more relaxed in terms of like, no, it has to be this and it has to be this and it has to be this. It's like, learn where you can drop the, like, learn where if the client says, no, we don't want to put an internal link on that or we don't want to change the text for that because it just doesn't work with the brand that we have and how people move through the website. Like, okay, cool. We've got other places we can win. That's fine. It makes that client relationship so much better than being the SEO that's like, oh, well, we'll never get first place if we don't change one anchor text of an internal link to this. Like, like do one. Yeah. Just, just chill. <laughs> You're working with very busy people. Give. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is like when you give, if you have that part where you're like, actually, no, this is serious, they listen. But if you're like that all the time, Nobody takes you seriously. Nobody wants to work with you either. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Speak the language that people are going to be receptive to ultimately, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then when you, when you make those asks, they know that they're coming from a place of caring and actually wanting to succeed because you've listened so much more to the business goals of what they're actually looking for. And I'll be honest, the CEO is not sitting up that at night, like not being able to sleep because he ranks position three for something that he could be ranking position one for. <laughs> that is not his concern. <laughs> and the closer you can align your SEO efforts to what his actual concern is, the better that relationship will be and the more success that you will have in the long term. Yeah. You're never going to do that if you're just an SEO. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, okay. final question for you. Go for it. What's the number one thing that marketers and early stage startups should be thinking about when it comes to SEO as a demand strategy? Ooh, okay. It is just creating a large body of work. And by large, I mean, let's think 20 to 30 pieces of content on one topic that they solve very well. Mm. And all of like the kind of surrounding questions. And the reason why I'm saying that, I mean, very much try to include your product and service keywords in and pages within that body of work. The reason why I'm saying that is, and this goes back to the whole, like why you should create a body of work and treat a site like a library and not like a, a magazine is let's say you get somebody that lands on your site and you're treating it like a magazine. So you're doing topic A and then topic B and then topic C and topic D. You're an early stage startup. You need sales fast. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, some investor somewhere that has never invested before in their life and they are absolutely losing sleep 
because their first investment is not giving them a, like an ROI in six months. Bad investor, but it doesn't matter. These things happen. <laughs> like I've been on those meetings before. They're terrifying. You need to start moving the needle in one way or another. And the best way that you can do that is by building up a topical authority. And the reason that you want to do that is imagine you have one person that lands on your site. Let's say they're, they're exactly your target audience and they're ready to buy. You have one piece of content. If they are reading that content and it resonates, and exactly like we said before, they just don't have something that you can push them to. You don't have a news, like even if you were to push them a newsletter, but you don't have other content to help nurture that person. They'll bounce, they'll go to Google, they'll find someone else. Mm -hmm. So from a UI point of view, having more content keeps that person there and only increases the trust that you have with the small people that are ready to buy your thing right now as it is. But also it gives you great sales enablement content. It gives you more things that you can write about on any of your other channels. So again, thinking outside of it, just being SEO. But in the long term, you're just building up a topical authority that you probably don't have budget to do partnerships or guest posts or buying backlinks or forget that they exist. If you can pump, pump that budget into content on your site that is going to live and grow and get better the more you add to it you're just going to build a bigger topical authority so mm -hmm. the thing that i would say more than anything is get your first 20 30 pieces of content on the site as fast as you can mm -hmm. love it just see what happens cool that's a great answer thank you so much and that's the last question i have apart from where should people find you? Where can they find you? What do you What do you do? What do you offer? What do I do? Oh, so I I do I do content marketing through SEO sprints. They are one month engagements where we focus very specifically on one of the main funnels, one of the main kind of pillars of SEO. They've been honed after like nearly ten years of doing this. I kind of feel I know it. Maybe what I'm talking about. Not entirely sure, but LinkedIn. LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn. It's T.I. Hansen, just Tim Hansen on there, or 530allspellout.com. Oh, nice. If you want to grab stuff on there. And if you can tell me why it's 530, I will give you one hour's advising for free. Nice. Oh, that's a hook. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'm going to work that out first because I've got the... Grab it. Got yeah. the jump. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time. It's been great talking to you. Okay. Pleasure. I do. I do very much enjoy talking about these things. Mm -hmm. Actually, I have a post going up in the next few days as to why Kanye West named my business. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is just, it's just a funny thing, but it's mostly because I'm dyslexic and can't read. That's the end of the episode. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate the time you invested in this episode. Um, a few next steps. Of course, we have the premium community where you can read this strategy Basically, you can download it and keep it forever so you don't have to listen to this episode again or make notes. Um, also, come follow me on LinkedIn. I'm posting like lots of little extra bits and things around the podcast and, and things I've learned in SEO. So come follow me. And if you don't already, obviously, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the newsletter. Thank you.